0: Good morning, everyone. Welcome. For those of you who are here for the first time, I pray that you'll be blessed this morning. Those who have come often, I pray that you're also blessed this morning. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Specifically, let's thank the Lord for the year that's gone 2019. Let's thank the Lord Jesus Christ for all that's happened, for all that didn't happen. For the things that have come our way and the things that passed us by. Let's bow our heads and thank the Lord. Let's lift up our voice to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father in heaven, we give you thanks and we give you praise. You are the Lord of days. You hold time in your hand. Everything, Lord God, belongs to you. Every breath of every second. Where can we go, Lord God, where you will not be found? Every single thing in this life and in this world, Lord God, points us to you. The heavens declare your glory, O Lord. You are full of wonder and full of strength. We give you thanks and praise for the year 2019. We thank you, Father, for the times of peace, the times of grace, the times of mercy, Thank you, Father, for the safety that you've bestowed upon us, Lord God, and on our families and on our children. Father, even now you hold us, you guide us, you lead us, and you've brought us here this morning to hear your word, your precious word. I pray, Father, that every head bowed before you this morning would listen intently, that you would Cast away any block, any hindrance, any, any scale before their eyes, Father, you may peel away. Pray for every ear to be unblocked, Lord God, and every heart, Lord God, to be restored in you, we pray. Cast the enemy away in every distraction, every doubt, every confusion, every tiredness, we pray, Lord God, in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. For this morning. Amen. Amen. Well, like 2019, huh? This is our last sermon before 2020. This is the last message we have on a Sunday before we turn the page to 2020. Honestly, I think this year has probably moved the fastest of any other year for me. Do you do you all nodding? It's unbelievable. Do you remember when I stood up here and I started to talk to you about how I couldn't get my registration? Yes. Feels like I, I preached that like a month ago. Doesn't it? When I was saying that, you know, I was trying to get in my registration, I didn't get it in time and it was the whole kerfuffle of, you know. Feels like only yesterday I preached that message to you. It's unbelievable, like it's, that was in, uh, I think, January sometime. <laughs> well, 2019. I wonder when you look back at the year, what goes through your mind, like what you think, what memory really sticks out for you and what happened in that year that mostly moved you or shook you. 2019. It was just like yesterday, but I want to ask you a few questions and you don't need to answer this out loud unless you want to, unless you have like a deep burden to want to vocalise the the response, feel free. But let me just share with you, like the psalmist says in Psalm 4, I commune with the Lord uh, in my heart upon my bed and be still. David, I'm pretty sure every night before he went to sleep, he would be still and he would meditate on the day that went by. And he would commune with the Lord, allowing the Holy Spirit to speak into his life and to his heart about the things that he did that day, what was right, what was wrong, what could have been. And he does that before the Lord being still, listening to his voice as he ministers to him. And I want you to do the same this morning about the year, and let the Lord minister to you and speak to you about this year that just passed by the promises unkept maybe, the, the vows that you didn't fulfill, the commitment that you, you, you failed or prospered. And I want to ask a few questions here this morning and I want you to answer them in your heart and in your mind and maybe the Lord would speak to you this morning regarding 2020. But did you enjoy 2019? Did you enjoy 2019? Think about that. There's no right or wrong response. I just want you to meditate on this question. Did you enjoy 2019? I know that in 2013 was a quite a, uh, a challenging year in 2012, and I wasn't looking forward to 2013. I was just, don't, don't, it was just a very anxious year for me. But 2013 ended up being a very beautiful, wonderful year. But I wasn't looking forward to it. What's 2019 for you? Did you enjoy it? 2019. Did you enjoy, did you achieve what you wanted to achieve in 2019? When you reflect back in January and you're looking at the year ahead and what were your thoughts, what you wanted to do and how you're going to go about doing it, did you achieve those things in 2019? Were your successes outweighing your failures? Did your successes outweigh your failures? Did something take you by surprise? Did the unexpected happen in 2019 that you didn't plan for? More importantly, are you closer to the Lord this year than in any previous year? Are you closer to the Lord this year than in any previous year? Because that is far more important to be asking. Something like, did you draw closer to Jesus in 2019? Was the state of your soul the most important thing? And when I talk about successes, did they outweigh your failures? Did you look back at the year and say, was my life more honoring of every day to the King of Kings than dishonoring? Because that's a huge success. What if the end of this year was actually the end of your life? Come January the 1st, 2020, and you'll have to give an account. What if the end of uh, 2019 was actually the end of your life, and in January you would give an account of your life? Just as you are right now, you stood before the throne of God, the King of Kings, the judgment, the great white throne, and you had to give an account of your life. Where would you be? What would you say if 2019 was the end of life? And they're the thoughts that crossed my mind when I was thinking about this new year turning into 2020. Imagine, you know, end of the year, imagine that was the end of the world, it was the end of life, and I had to stand before the King of Kings, the Holy One, whose eyes are pure and righteous, and I had to give an account of my life. And I found myself moving for, for whatever strange reason, to the last book of the Bible, to the last chapter of the Bible, to the last verse of that Bible, and reading that verse. And I want to share that verse with you at the end of 2019. So turn with me to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. Having read the book of Revelation about the end of time and what is to be, and all the catastrophe that's going to hit the world, and the great wrath of God, and the great day of tribulation, John, who wrote this book, finishes in Revelation chapter 22, with the last verse, he says this, which is quite remarkable. He says this, he says, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all, amen. <laughs> How beautiful is that? Probably the most precious verse in the whole book of Revelation. Boy, don't we need the grace of God to be with us, especially when we're reading the book of Revelation. Boy, don't we need the grace of God to be with us, especially turning over a new page to 2020. And here we have John saying to the church, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you, Amen, yes, the grace of God be with you. This is what they call in churches today a benediction. It is in fact the way most of the writers in the New Testament ended their letters. This is a very vital and probably important blessing given to the church after the reading of a sermon or after the reading of Paul's letters or after the book of Revelation. After the end of time, may the grace of God be with you always. Extraordinary. What is this grace of God? May the grace of God be with you. I remember when I was sitting there once before uh, we we had this fellowship, and I was preaching at at the front to a congregation, and they asked me, would you also like to do the benediction? And I had no idea what a benediction was, (laughs) Like, how can I do a benediction if I don't even know what it is? So I was quite embarrassed I didn't know what a benediction was. I mean, I can preach a message and a sermon, but a benediction, it sounds too formal for me. So I know that in the end, my reputation was that I'd get up here, give a message, and someone else would come and do the benediction. Normally, it was the the messenger or the preacher that would give the benediction. It's the blessing, the farewell, it's like the goodbye And now looking back at the benediction, I think, wow, this is probably the most beautiful thing in a sermon. That having preached to people and taught people and told them about Jesus, then you basically send them off like the letters send us off. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Amen. And you went off into your day knowing that the grace of God was upon you because someone at the front had just basically blessed you. And that's what it was indeed. It was a blessing of the Lord that the grace of God be upon you. There is nothing more valuable, nothing more uh, wonderful than to have the grace of God being poured out upon you from the blessing of another person. And this is what the writers do in the New Testament. And I look at the end of 2019 and I look at the 2020 and I say, may the grace of God be upon you. That wherever you are, wherever you go, whatever you do, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ rests upon you. It is glorious and it is wonderful. And I love the definition of the grace, uh, what grace means, not according to the way the world or the churches uh, interpret it or translate it. Like I've heard it many times that grace is unmerited favor. And I don't want to say rubbish, but it's not quite true. Grace isn't just unmerited favor, grace is far beyond anything than unmerited favour. I like the way uh, the Merriam-Webster Dictionary says it. It's just a change of word. It says this, grace is unmerited divine assistance given to humans for the regeneration or sanctification. That's extraordinary. That's so beautiful. That grace is unmerited assistance And so when someone says, may the grace of God be upon you, I'm saying, may you find favor in the hand of God that he would commit himself to helping, guiding, strengthening you in whatever needs to be done for holiness, righteousness, and his will. That's beautiful. And if I was to give you a nice send-off into 2020, I'd say the same thing. May the grace of God be upon you because it's what you need. There's a beautiful story that's told by a, a pianist by, at the age of 16 named Andor Foldes. He was a skilled pianist, but he was experiencing a very troubled year. He was Hungarian and um, one day while being in uh, Budapest, another famous pianist by the name of Emil von Sawyer had noticed his abilities and he wanted to come and listen to this Andor Oldis. This man, Emil von Sawyer, he was the last surviving pupil of the great Franz Liszt. I'm not just saying the names right. But so he wanted to listen to Andorfoldus. only 16, a very troubled young man at that time. And he told him to play. And when he heard him play, von Sawyer got up. He went to him, grabbed him by the forehead after he'd played his best, and he gave him a kiss. And he says this, he says, my son, when I was your age, I became a student of Liszt. He kissed me on the forehead after my first lesson, saying, take good care of this kiss. It comes from Beethoven, who gave it to me after hearing me play. And I've waited for years to pass on this sacred heritage, but now I feel you deserve it. Now, I want to share something with you. How beautiful is that story? How, how good is that story? Listen, he passed on a blessing, take care of it, and he goes, I'm giving it to you because how much you, what, deserve it, and no, it's not like that with our Lord. Our Lord comes and he kisses us on the forehead and he says, I've given it to you because you don't deserve it. And there is nothing that you did to ever gain it. But take good care of it. Take good care of this grace that is upon you. This beautiful, beautiful grace where the Lord Jesus Christ rests upon you because of nothing that you did, but because he is good, because he is great. Great. This is our Lord Jesus Christ. This is so beautiful that the blessing that is passed on after the service or by another man to another man, because it's very, very profound, by the way, brothers and sisters, when we look at the scriptures on blessing and cursing, the words of your lips are very powerful. And when you bless someone, I believe the Lord listens to you. And when we say, God bless you, we're not saying, I bless you, we're saying, God bless you. And therefore, God, he does so. He blesses them. So when the writers wrote at the end of their letters in the New Testament, may the grace of God be upon you, they meant it and they wanted that to happen upon the children of God and the church. So much so that in the Old Testament, if you want to look at this with me, Numbers chapter 6 verse 23, when God was establishing the tabernacle, when God was establishing a holy people, when he was establishing a, a place of worship, He does this wonderful thing. Numbers chapter 6 verse 23. He taught the priest how to bless the people. Numbers chapter 6 verse 23. He says this. Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. This is God speaking to Moses, telling Moses to speak to Aaron and teach Aaron how he is to bless the people. This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. This is beautiful. God was asking a man to bless the people. If God wanted to bless the people, he could have blessed them himself. But he required a man to bless the people. And there was a specific way of blessing people. Because blessing is very, very important. I believe God holds your word in regard. I believe that if you curse someone, it's not good, it's not positive, and it's not great. I mean, we know that by nature. If I say to my son consistently, you're hopeless, you're hopeless, you're hopeless, you're a loser, you're a loser. Whether you want to look at it spiritually or not, it's quite an emotional strain, a mental obstacle to them. And it's part of a curse. But when you tell someone, be blessed, be blessed... Be blessed. May all goodness and all that is wonderful be upon your life. May your peace and, and your safety always be upon you by the hand of the Lord. I believe the Lord listens. And this is what he says to them. He says, I want you to tell Aaron and his sons, this is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. Say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. Very simple. Very simple. But this is what you got. The Lord bless you and keep you. All good things be upon you. All good things be upon you. There's a beautiful psalm in 68 verse 19 that says this, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. He loads us. This is almost like street language. <laughs> There's no formality here. He loads us with benefits, the God of our salvation. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord keep you, meaning stay safe. And not only stay safe, but stay safe in the faith. Hold on. May the Lord be the arms that keeps you clinging to heaven. May your faith be protected and shielded by the enemy that's coming in. May the Lord bless you and you keep you, keep you safe. There's a beautiful story by, told of a, an American Indian at the age of, I think, 13, when they enter manhood, this place of you know, maturity where they become men, after having learned to fish and hunt and, and, and gather and, and, and prove themselves as young warriors, they're sent out into the forest. And they're blindfolded. And this young boy 13 years old would navigate himself through the forest he'd have to make his way from the start all the way through the end in, in in the dark at night and all the sounds and all the mystery of the forest is hidden before him because he's blindfolded he can't he can't he can't see what's ahead of him and he has to navigate a young boy navigates himself among the beasts and the wild among the animals and the dark he navigates himself And he walks through, only to get to the end, and he takes the blindfold off, and there he sees, right behind him, a figure that looks like a father, his own dad, with the arrow fixed, his arms stretched out ready. All along, his father was walking with him, but the the warrior didn't know. And this is what we do when we pray, we say, may the Lord keep you. May the Lord forever be holding the shield for you. May He be your protector from the enemy that's coming your way. And though you be blinded and you can't see ahead, you know that the Lord, my God, keeps me. This is what He tells the, the priests to bless the people. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Verse 25. Now this is beautiful. May the Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you now i, I don't know where you want, i don't know where you want to be in life and i don't know where you want to go in life but i would say i always want to be beneath the gaze of god i'd always want to be beneath the face of the father And wherever you go and whatever you do, may the Lord Jesus Christ's face shine upon you. It is the face of Jesus Christ that becomes our light in this dark world. As long as I can see Jesus in my circumstance, as long as as I can see Jesus in whatever condition or situation I'm in, I am most content... It's like when Moses was called to go and lead the Israelites. But I'm not going with you, Moses. I'm not going with you. And Moses says, Lord, please, if you don't go, I'm not going. Because he knew what life is like. And may the face of the Lord Jesus Christ shine upon you and be gracious to you. Here's the word grace again. Gracious means graceful, full of grace, multiple in the the action towards grace. I don't know, however you explain it. Gracious. You know what graceful is. You know when someone's graceful, you know what they're like, don't you? When someone's given a time, oh, they're so graceful. They're gentle. They're very caring. They're very kind. They're giving. It's grace. And may the Lord Jesus Christ be like that upon you. In fact, this was so beautiful that a lot of the writers at the end of their letters says the Philippians when Paul wrote to the Philippians the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all amen when he wrote to the Ephesians peace to the brethren and love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity Corinthians, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. These are the blessings in Romans. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. My love be with you all in Christ. Jesus amen. How beautiful is that? It's just a complete blessing surrounding my love, the, 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 the communion of the Holy Spirit, the peace. And what a wonderful church you would have if the blessings of the Lord was upon the people like this and the love of the brethren amongst each other. What a blessing in 2020, in 2020. When the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ carries us. Verse 26 the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. These are the blessings. The Lord lift up the countenance. You know what that what, what that is? The Lord lift up his face upon you. But not just his face upon you, but the joy of his face upon you. When someone's low in countenance, you don't want to look at them, it's miserable. But when someone's joyous and happy and they show you a smile, the smile's contagious and everybody smiles. And the countenance of the Lord be upon you is when the Lord looks upon you and He smiles in that He is pleased, He is content with your faith, and that the peace of God rests upon you. In Psalm, in Psalm the, the psalmist in Psalm 4 says this, there be many that say, who's going to show us any good? Lord, you lift up the light of your countenance upon us. Look upon it. let your face rise upon us. You have put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased and here's our peace. Where's our peace come from? When the Lord looks upon us and He sees our need and He provides for that need and He grants us our peace. So whatever goes your way, whatever poverty strikes you next week, whatever hindrance comes against you next week, whatever stumbling block comes against you next week, Lord, I pray you look upon them and let your countenance bring them that peace. And what that means is quite beautiful. What that means is that basically God sees... Something to watch over you as though you're this particular individual in his eyes. Like something quite special, like, I'm watching you, you belong to me, I'm looking out for you. And we see the same story and event take place with Joseph and his brother, Benjamin. I don't know if you know the account when they, they uh, had Joseph locked up at once, and then all of a sudden he becomes a king in Egypt, he becomes like a pharaoh, and then his brothers come because of famine, and the story unfolds, and the way the story unfolds is quite simple, uh, uh, that, that the brothers come looking for food, and Joseph said, no, these are my brothers, you know, like, and so he, he he tests them, he tries them to see where they're at, where their faith is, and, and, and that he notices that one of his brothers is not with them. And so what he says to them is, you know, don't you have another one, another brother? Yes, we do. His name's Benjamin. He's, he's at home. He goes, oh, well, why haven't you brought him? Go get him. Go bring him. But I'm not going to let you go without basically keeping one of you here in case you never come back. So, Simeon, you guys get locked up. We'll lock up Simeon. And if you're telling me the truth that you have another brother, we'll release Simeon. And so they go and they bring Benjamin. And Benjamin is the smallest, he's the youngest. I think, in fact, I don't know whether Joseph um, would have experienced Benjamin in his time before he was sent off. So this is like the first time he looks at Benjamin and he says the most beautiful thing. He says this, God be gracious to you, my son. God, be gracious to you, my son. Because he looked at him and Benjamin pulled out of him an attention, an individual attention among all the other brothers that belonged only to Benjamin. Not the others got, God, be gracious to you, but Benjamin got it. And it's a picture of Joseph who looks at his his own brother, the one who decided to follow him, and he says, God, be gracious to you. And this is the blessing of the Lord upon those who seek Him and desire Him, that the grace of God be upon you. It's a beautiful account of how God restores, how God draws, and how God blesses us, even though we were once lost, even though we were scattered in a, in a place of famine. Verse 7 on Psalm 4, you have put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. And here's our peace. What that simply means is this, that everyone else outside of you does not have more than what I have and what you've given me. You've put in me a peace that is greater than all the very things that they prosper in all the wealth and all the money and all the riches that they gain and the wine and the corn that they've increased and all that, you have granted me a peace far greater than them because you have looked upon me. Your countenance have shone upon me. Now, I don't know why people would reject such a God who blesses His people in such a way. I don't know why people would reject... A God who equips brothers to bless brothers, and at His word, God does. When two or three agree on the same thing, it shall be done. And I don't know why, when you tell people, come, God is good, God is good, people continue to live in their own way, trying to gain their own blessings, trying to gain their own riches, as though the world can bless them somehow. As though their money can bless them somehow, as though their relationships can bless them somehow, when the God of the, the Lord Jesus Christ already told us, Go bless them. Those who come to me, bless them. Those who love the Lord Jesus Christ in sincerity, bless them. And why reject Him? Why would you refuse that? But yet the heart of unbelief does. In verse 27, so they shall put my name on the children of Israel and I will bless them. They will take my name among the children of Israel and because of my name, I will bless them. Now this is in the book of, in the book of Numbers. This is before Jesus came declaring his name. But it's prophetic. It's going to be my name that they're going to be blessed by. It's my name that people are going to be calling upon to be saved. It's my name that whatever they ask, they shall receive. It's by my my name that people are going to be blessed by. And that is why the name of Jesus is the very name that is blasphemed. That is why Jesus is the very reason uh, he's attacked. Because in his name, there is blessings among the people. And the devil doesn't want people blessed my name my name is the very name that people are going to bow their knees to my name is the very name that casts out demons and heals the sick these are the blessings of the lord when i ask of anything from the lord ask in the name of jesus christ where the blessing comes in my name if you remember christmas eve i shared with you in isaiah basically When Isaiah prophesied, for unto us a child is born, in chapter 9, verse 6, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, and his name shall be called. I shared with you that it doesn't say his name is Wonderful Counselor, it says his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor which basically means that when we speak of Jesus, we will say, Jesus, what a beautiful name. Jesus, how wonderful and beautiful Jesus. His name shall be called Counselor. Jesus, my Counselor. Jesus, the Prince of Peace. Jesus. Even Peter, in his letters, he ends... His letters with first Peter chapter five, verse fourteen, greet one another with a kiss of love. Peace to you, all who are in Christ Jesus. Here's a blessing. But listen, it's hand in hand. Greet each other with a kiss of love. Like Paul says, My love be with you. This is the the, the, the blessing upon the church. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Saviour Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. So what must you do? You've got to grow in this grace. You've got to continue. You've got to stay steadfast. You've got to pursue. You've got to fight. You've got to push in this grace. It's like a shower, like a sprinkler, forever showering you. And as long as you are growing underneath, like a plant underneath the shower, as long as you keep yourself in the grace of God, like you're there, you're shielded, as long you will continue to grow. But if you decide to move this way or you decide to do that way, if you decide to retreat and pull back, there is no delight in this. It's very important as a church of God, as we move into 2020, that the grace of God continues in our hearts and in our lives. That this place here becomes a a place of grace. When people walk in, they experience a love, a power, that is a testimony of the grace of God. So when people come in, they don't see criminals, they see (laughs) ex-criminals. When people come in, they don't see... Sinners, they see sinful saints. Saints who contain in them a sin that the Lord Jesus Christ has bound for them. But they are holy and righteous and it's manifested, it's revealed in their lives when they talk and share and live and love. This becomes a place of grace right here, right now. 2020, this place should be fueled not with more people, but with more greater love. To each, to each other, with a deeper love for one another, more sacrifice, more deeper enthusiasm into the things of God. That's what 2020 should look like and feel like, having experienced 2019. We've grown one year. Move on, on to 2020. Peter says, grow in this grace. Let me finish with this beautiful, beautiful passage found in Isaiah 56, turn to this. I think this is the picture of grace found in the Old Testament upon the church. Isaiah 56, verse 3. Does it start with this? Do not let the sun. Oh, good, okay. I, had a bit of, I got a bit of doubt. I thought I, had, I wrote the wrong passage down. Listen to this. This is the picture of the church and a church that grows in grace. Isaiah chapter 56 verse 3. Do not let the son of the foreigner who has joined himself to the Lord speak saying, the Lord has utterly separated me from his people. Nor let the eunuch say, here I am, A dry tree. How beautiful is this passage? This is the prophet Isaiah saying, don't ever let anyone be able to say, when they come into the assembly of the people of God, especially the son of a foreigner, the son of a stranger, the one who doesn't belong, don't let them say that the Lord has utterly separated me from His people, that when someone comes into this church, that they don't look at everybody and feel like they are separated from God's people, because they somehow can't connect with people, or, or the people in this world in this church are all very clicky. I can't seem to move myself in. I don't belong to these kind of people. Don't let this happen. Don't let anyone, don't let the, the eunuch who comes in and see himself as a dry twig. A eunuch can't have children. A eunuch, eunuch uh, can't fulfill his role as a man. Therefore, his purpose as a man to increase his descendants is just gone. It's useless. It's like a dry twig. But he says, don't let them think like that. Don't make them feel like that. Like they're at a place where they can't be restored. They're at a place where they have no purpose. They're at a place where they have no meaning. Don't make them feel like that. For thus says the Lord to the eunuch who keeps my Sabbath, to the one who obeys me. This is what the Lord says to the eunuch and chooses to please me. This is what God says to the one. doesn't matter who you are, where you're at, where you've come from, but you decide to please and do what God wants. This is what he says to you. Even to them I will give in my house and within my walls a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This is the book of Isaiah. It doesn't matter who comes in through these doors, let them not think to themselves that this is of no value for me, this is worthless, it doesn't mean anything to me, but if they come because I love God and they seek God to keep His commandments, I will give them a name better than any other name that they've ever had. What's that name? Jesus. And how is He going to give them Jesus? How does He give them Jesus. Even to them I will give in my house, within my walls, a place and a name better than that of sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Verse 6, also the sons of the foreigner who joined themselves to the Lord to serve him and to love the name of the Lord, to be his servants, everyone who keeps from defiling the Sabbath and holds fast my covenant even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in where? In my house of prayer. This is the vision 2020. This is where the grace of the Lord is. That anyone who comes into this house, into this place, who loves God and wants to serve God, they shall be fulfilled and come to the completion of, of that place of His Word in their own lives. Because this house was the grace and glory of God. Because God brought them here to complete their faith, to finish their faith, to, to, to fix their faith, to do whatever He needs to do to bring them to that holy mountain. So let it never be said in this church, and I hate when I hear it when someone says something like, I can't break through the friendship groups here. Because that's not grace. That's not a manifestation of grace. Let it be said that everyone in this church is filled by the grace of God so much so that they go to the least amongst us and they look out for those who are the least amongst us because that's where the grace of God is. That's where Jesus is found, 2020. Verse 7 even them I will bring to my holy mountain and make them joyful in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and their sacrifices will be accepted on my altar. For my house shall be called house of prayer for all nations, pardon the pun. A prayer for all nations. All nations Christian fellowship if we carry a title called All Nations Christian Fellowship, and by nations, we're not only talking about countries and, and, and continents. Nations, we're talking about the culture and lifestyles and, and people of all various backgrounds. Because when Jesus walked, he walked full of grace and truth. Grace and truth, the alcoholic, the one that abused his wife, the one that abused his children, the one that abused uh, his body, the one that abused everything that was given to him. But for, for miraculously, by the grace of God, they walked into this place of prayer and they saw the grace of God was upon us. And it's this very thing that people are to flock to. Not man, not church, but this is where God is. That's where people come. I pray 2020 becomes a path that shines brighter and brighter unto that perfect day. No matter what 2019 was like for you, you learn, you leave the past, and you press toward the mark. That's what you're doing. And may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be upon you, always. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Commune with your own heart this morning. And commit yourself to the Lord Jesus Christ today for 2020. Ask the Lord, Lord, let me not seek out the popular. Let me not hang with the cool kids. Let me see the weak and the broken in this house of prayer. Let me find the son of the foreigner. Let me see that eunuch. Lest they say, where is Jesus here? I pray in 2020 that that's the heart and and uh, desire that you don't hang with friends, you hang with those who are in need and be blessed and grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ.